0: welcome back to the longest battle podcast this week i'm meeting mad dog mcginnis he's a celtic rock star and he's played with the Pogues and the popes he's a true survivor having survived a car accident and come out the other side i'm here today to see if mad dog really lives up to his name this is his story.
1: Well, I'll so. tell you a story to start with. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Go on. I, um, the first album, that I was playing with Shane McGann in the Popes uh-huh. because I used to work as a role in the road crew of the Pogues.
0: Okay. Uh-huh. And
1: uh, I used to get up during the sound checks and play guitar and uh, test all the guitars so the band could come on. So
0: you were roadie, is yeah. that what you did? Yeah. yeah.
1: And uh, we were in Japan one day <laughs> and... Uh, Shane was at the front of the stage watching me play some of their songs. Yeah. And he liked what he saw. So he came up to me one day and he said he was going to leave the Pogues and would be interested in starting a band with him. So that was the beginning of Shane again in the Pogues because about uh, six months later he left the Pogues and uh, he, he, there was a, the agent had booked him an American tour. We had done a little tour of England and we were about to go to America, and one day, <coughs> myself and Bob Dowling, who was the bass player in the band, mm-hmm. we were walking down the Holloway Road, and Bob was telling me this story, about all the characters on the Holloway Road, mm-hmm. like, um, there was people like Horseman and Kay, uh, and loads of Irish people, and we were walking past the Holloway Road, we walked past um, a pet shop, and loads of pubs, and uh you know, fish and chip shops and the Claire Vines. And uh, the next day, we were walking down the Hollywood Boulevard. And uh, wow. as we were walking down, we saw exactly the same things. The only difference was about a couple of million dollars, you know. <laughs> and uh, Bob was telling me a story. He had told me the story about the Holloway Road. And I turned around and said to Bob, Hey, Bob, <clears throat> this is very like the Holloway Road, you know, except. the the difference in money but it's just uh, there's a clairvoyance there's bars lots of restaurants and uh, Bob said oh come back to the hotel I have this idea for a song it's called The Holloway Road so we went back to the hotel and Bob showed me all these chords so I said oh we should call it Holloway Boulevard like the Hollywood Boulevard yeah and uh, Bob said oh that's a good idea so I went back to my room and I wrote loads of lyrics and it goes, planting rogues in stolen clothes, teaching us how to pose. All they're doing is wearing out their brogues. And then I added the names of the people on the Holloway Road. Horseman Cai from the West, that's the West of World. stripped down to his vest. And Donkey Dorden, see him in his Sunday best. <laughs> so uh, Bob started to laugh and he showed me all the chords. So I put all the lyrics to the chords. So the song was... Bob's idea and you know I completed the song I used lots of different influence like <clears throat> I used the lyrics lying in the gutter but they're looking at the stars which I took from Oscar Wilde so that's how amazing. Holloway and Boulevard started
0: amazing yeah. wow okay so tell me a little bit about your career where did okay. your career start
1: well I started in uh, back in the late 70s um, punk had already started in London and uh Dublin is always a little bit behind I was born in London actually to two Irish immigrants but okay. they moved back to Ireland and uh, I ended up living in Dublin and uh, actually I'll tell you another story okay. Dublin the Irish for Dublin if you say it in the Gael- Gaelic language it, we would say Dublin and that actually means in Irish Blackpool Agreed. so yeah, okay. But it's been Anglicised because of all the English when English the English Empire came and started occupying Dublin they couldn't pronounce Dove Lin, because B H it was originally called Dublin, D. U B H L I N N and they couldn't they didn't know in Irish B H is V, you'd pronounce it like V so the English started saying Dublin so that's how Dublin's come about it used to be Dublin oh right
0: Dublin, okay yeah. oh
1: wow and uh <clears throat> but I'll tell you this is an amazing story mm. I yeah, uh, the Popes eventually when Shane went back to the Pogues is this the
0: Popes or the Pogues which sure? well
1: I started with Shane McGowan and the po- po- Popes after the Pogues
0: uh-huh.
1: and uh eventually Shane went back to playing with the, the Pogues and uh I became the singer in the Popes. So we went around touring, you know, places like America again. Around around the world, did you? Yeah, amazing. France and stuff like that. Cool. And uh, I wrote the song, well, it's the title track of the album. It's called Outlaw Heaven because, you know, the one thing that's certain in life is death, you know. So uh, I began to think, where do people go when they die? Because we were travelling down Route 66 in America. And uh, we got out of the van. And we sat at the side of the road just to have some lunch. And uh, I was sitting on a headstone. And uh, it said, this is to Mark. This is the place where Robert Johnson sat and made a deal with the devil. You know, to make him the best blues guitarist. Before he offered his soul to the devil. If he could become the best blues guitarist in the world and he went on to become as you know the best blues guitarist and uh, I wondered where he went and I thought well there can't be any such thing as hell so I think it's probably heaven where all the good people go and heaven where all the outlaws the bad guys go so I sat down and started writing that song Outlaw Heaven and it's all about um, people like Robert Johnson um, Johnny Cash Hmm. Michael Jackson. And uh, oh, wow. well, Michael Jackson probably goes to outlaw heaven with all the best drugs. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> lots of people like Bobby Sands, Charles Stuart Parnell, Al Capone. So hmm. I wrote the song Outlaw Heaven. It goes, I'll always be an outlaw. I've lived, I've ridden on the range, and just like other outlaws, i will be lonesome on the plains. I was jailed in every county. Hell up every stage. I've got one foot in the stirrup, the other was in the grave. I, when I die, I wanna go to Outlaw Heaven.
0: Wow. <laughs> yeah.
1: So it's all about Robert stuff. Johnson and people who've passed away and where they are now. Mm-hmm. And one day I hope to sit down with them at the bar, bar in Outlaw Heaven and have a drink with them. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. That sounds
1: great.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so you've had a fantastic career. Where did it start?
1: Well, it started back in the late seventies in Ireland. Um, I lived in Dublin in the the postal district was um, Dublin City Nine, so I was standing around my friends one day and said, "Let's start a band" because I just began to start playing guitar. Mm. And then we were looking for a name, and I came the name. Let's call it after the district we're in, Dublin mm. City Nine. Okay. And that summer, I went over to Amsterdam, and I was sitting in the Paradiso watching Kraftwerk Mm -hmm. and I was blown away so I came back and I suggested that we might be uh, get a synthesizer and be a punk band with a synthesizer and I said maybe we can change the spelling of the name not N-I-N-E let's spell it like Germanic so you can see the German influence so I said to somebody what's the way you can spell the number nine in German and someone said N-I-E-N and of course that's wrong, it's actually N-E-I-N but we went out and we got some posters, D-C-N-I-E-N and then when I came back and put the posters up, someone said that's the wrong spelling of the German <laughs> nine but by then we'd already got the posters so we just continued on Kept spelling it. Kept
0: it as it was. N-I-E-N,
1: yeah. yeah. So that began. band became quite big in Ireland and we released a a tape, a cassette tape called the Red Tapes, mm. which I've recently been back in Dublin. And there's uh, a lot of people interested in seeing it to be getting re released. Mm. And uh because an awful lot of people were influenced by D C nine. Mhm. Um Okay.
0: Yeah. And what was your, what would you say your career highlight? What would be your career well, highlight would I you think say?
1: The most amazing thing was uh we were playing in um, New York on St. Patrick's Day. Ah, cool. Yeah, and New York's very funny on St. Patrick's <laughs> you know. It's I'd like love say, to do
0: that, actually, yeah.
1: They're more Irish than the Irish yeah. themselves. <laughs> they are. Everybody's drinking pints of green Guinness. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, there was loads of ticker tape flying in the air, all green. <laughs> and we are watching the parade go by. Were,
0: were you were Shane, were you, at that time? Yeah, at that time. Yeah.
1: The whole band, we watched uh, new, the parade in New York.
0: Oh, cool. And
1: uh, later on, we went down to... Uh, the Astoria, and we played a pub in the Astoria till late that night, and that was, I think, the highlight of, yeah. And um, also, I have a young daughter called Aisling,
0: uh-huh.
1: and uh, Ashling, in Irish means premonition. Okay. So, I'll tell you another story about that. I had a <laughs> dream that I was gonna have a red-haired child, and oh, right. surely enough she came. Oh, but um, well. Ashling had been born by then, and her mum and herself, her mum was called Lorraine, and herself came to the gig, so that was amazing to have my own daughter. And at the end of the, the the gig, we were playing an encore, and her mother brought her up on stage, and she ran out onto the stage. <laughs> so oh. that was my most amazing thing. I think oh, that's amazing. the best thing that I've ever done, to yeah. become a father.
0: Oh, fantastic, yeah. yeah. Okay, so tell me a little bit, about your accident Um, obviously you you've got a brain injury um, like me Um, but yeah so tell me about what happened to you
1: well I think I don't remember any of this yeah because I think your brain protects yourself from the the actual injury and you it it forgets all about it Mm. but I've been told I was coming home from the gym one day with my training bag on my back and and a car came out. Some guy from India had been over here, and he was holidaying. And yeah, he hired a car, and he was driving a Renault on Brook Road in Stoke Newington, and that knocked into me on my left hand side, and I was unconscious. It hit you? Yeah, it
0: hit didn't. you in a car? In a car. The actual
1: car. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then I was then in, I was in the some London hospital. Um, so you had no recollection of the no, actual accident and no, things? No, recollection at all, or the people who were there, or whatever happened that day. The last thing I remember was that evening. Um, it was November of uh, 1996, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or, sorry, no. Um, it was November 2014. Okay. And uh, the last thing I remember was going on the bus down to the gym I don't remember anything then till I woke up in hospital, in I think it's the,
0: the Royal London.
1: The Royal London Hospital. Yeah, yeah. There.
0: That's That's the place yeah. I was yeah. admitted I was to. Yeah,
1: and that was very strange. Mm. You know, I started hallucinating and having very funny dreams, which mm. I always thought were reality.
0: Yeah, and, yeah.
1: Uh, that's similar
0: to me actually i have like strange things that happened that you don't you feel that they were real but actually they weren't i seem to be in i was in hospital but i remembered like this stuff was going on that can't have been real it's like it's that whole kind of reality and now it's like that whole kind of bit of life (laughs) which is just a strange time yeah. of I don't know what there's probably well, a word for it I don't know what it's called <laughs> many
1: years ago when I was very young and I don't do this anymore mm. but I used to for a very brief period I indulged in taking drugs and okay. one of the drugs I took was LSD okay
0: mm-hmm. and that's
1: very hallucinogenic
0: I thought you might mm. have done back in the day yeah. <laughs> so
1: that's what a brain injury was like oh really like you were taking hallucinating on LSD. LSD yeah
0: Oh, God. Yeah. So that's what we actually feel like. That's yeah, what like,
1: <laughs> I woke up one day and, you know, I'd have a nurse beside my bed. Yeah. Then I'd fall asleep and wake up and I'd look beside the bed and she'd have turned into sort of... She'd have a horse's face and stuff like that. It was very strange.
0: How long... So you were in a coma, weren't you? Yeah,
1: for about four weeks.
0: Four weeks yeah. in a coma. And it being in a coma do you have any obviously is that the surreal element of of it yeah very surreal um but being in a coma did you have any parts of it coming in reality Were there bits, any parts that came out
1: i had um when i was in the coma i thought i was visiting my mother in ireland at one stage i don't know if it was a dream i don't know what it was but i dreamt i was on a plane Mm. And all my relatives when I woke up in my hospital bed around me were all my relatives and when I looked again it wasn't my relatives it was just other patients in the hospital and I had imagined mm-hmm. so it was very like that very confusing
0: I had the same yeah. thing actually I yeah. remember seeing one of my bosses there but I think maybe he did come along but I like have got that it was at that point I just wasn't yeah. there in okay. there well, in that reality that's
1: very similar to what I experienced in I don't know if this happened to you but um, when I woke up out of the coma I started speaking in a different language like in Irish
0: that's amazing and yeah
1: <laughs> it's not called Irish It's in Irish it's called Gaelge okay. so I woke up speaking Gaelic and uh,
0: but could you speak Gaelic?
1: well I when I was very young I learned it at school but I hadn't spoken for years and I woke up and other people in the beds around me because when I was in the the Royal London um, Hospital yeah. there was other people in the bed beside me, and they were doing very strange things, like I some know. of them were speaking Spanish I them.
0: know they yeah. were doing weird yeah. things, like very. my poor mother, what was going on yeah. <laughs> It's quite a surreal experience very surreal. anyway, no. yeah. but let alone figuring out that
1: and the other thing is sometimes it feels like it's never going to end all the stuff you're doing, like the therapy. Mm. you know at first it just seems like thinking when will this end because I used to have therapy three or four times a day different therapists would come along Um, and uh, I just thought you know when will things go back to being normal when Mm. I can start playing music again and seeing my daughter and seeing all my friends and so on but that started to happen now because most doctors and it's funny because when I used to play in a band back in Ireland which was called DC9 which I've told you mm-hmm. about I w- went to uh, a hospital one day in town and uh, in the city and the hos the doctor was uh, treating me you know looking at me and examining me and he turned around and said I've seen you before and I said oh yeah and he said he spoke with Irish and I said are you from Ireland and he says yeah he said said uh, I said he said what do you do and I told him that I had played in a band in Dublin called DC and He said oh yeah I saw you in the Bagged Inn <laughs> so there you go wow. yeah it's amazing yeah. what can happen
0: yeah definitely so do you think this is like your second coming
1: well that's what I'd like to say you know because <clears throat> when I um, woke up out of my coma and got out of hospital and got discharged from hospital I began to realise you know, look back on my life and all the things that I'd done and I began to see all the mistakes i had made you know, and began to realise how important my friends and my family were to me Mm. so uh, that's when I realised yes, the realisations gave me a feeling of being born again so Mm. I had the chance to do everything again only I could do it with a fresher, Mm. you know approach to it Mm. Can I just say Emma? Of course I'm amazed how well you look after uh, really. Eating. what happened to you
0: I caught a virus okay. in Vietnam oh, wow. and I am um, yeah I um, I basically nearly died I had like a one two three four four months in the Royal London wow. hospital so yeah well you look incredible <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> getting there getting there it's a long long road to yeah, re- is. recovery isn't it absolutely
1: we were playing in the the Blues House it's in LA on the strip in LA and we're playing to this crowd of about 2000 people and it's owned by Dan Aykroyd and James Belushi used to own it with him when he was alive and uh, one day I was looking out into the audience and there's all these people going you know in the front row and they were getting up on the stage and they mm-hmm. were jumping off the stage mm. into the uh, audience it's called stage diving
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: so I turned around and I took my guitar off. I've
0: never been, I've never done that. Yeah, <laughs>
1: I this, bet you've done yeah, that. <laughs> this is the I've done I took my guitar off and handed it to the rollie who was beside me. And I jumped into the stage and very luckily the audience caught me and pushed me back onto the stage. So I was delighted having done that. It was very exhilarating.
0: Wow. And we
1: had this banjo player called Tommy. And he used to be nicknamed the Beast and the Beast very great banjo player fantastic musician mm-hmm. but he was very large maybe about 70 in stone and he decided to copy me so he took a running jump and the audience saw oh look at the size of him so they all got out of the way and Tommy jumped and he jumped went straight into the audience and hit the ground with a wallop so he wow. was yeah knocked unconscious for about two minutes or so but he's right? he was alright yeah <laughs> but it's like, Tommy's passed away he had a oh. He died from um, alcoholism, uh, but Tommy was fantastic.
0: Mm-hmm. So I miss him so much. Mad Dog, do you think that there was moments of madness in your recovery?
1: Um, There was lots of moments um, of madness. Did you actually feel
0: on. like a mad dog at the time? <laughs> you know, like, oh my God, what's Funny, going the on? The
1: nickname was given to me by Shane McGowan. He came up to me one day and he looked at me and he said, you've a very pugilistic look about you and I said oh yeah and he said I think I'll call you Mad Dog because there was um, an awful lot of um, terrorists at the time would have the name like Mad Dog like Mad Dog dare or Mad Dog um, there was loads of Mad Dogs in Ireland so he Uncle. decided to give me the name Mad Dog so that stuck with me That's Everybody a pretty stuck pretty cool on name yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> so everyone knows you as Mad Dog yeah
1: Paul Mad Dog McGuinness
0: um, when did you realise that you had a brain injury
1: um, well when I woke up in the uh, the hospital out of the coma you know I started hallucinating and stuff like that and then my family would come in to visit me and they had started explaining what had happened mm. and as I went on they I uh, began to realise I had a brain injury and there uh, then someone brought me in this book and it was about a guy who played with orange juice called Edwin Collins and he was a musician and at some point in his life he had suffered a brain injury so I began to read the book and then I could identify what had happened to me and eventually I moved out of that hospital and I moved to the Homerton in Hackney and uh, I went to the rehab unit there and that was much easier because he used to let me go up and walk around the grounds. And at first, because your brain affects everything that you do, you know, I had couldn't walk. I had to learn how to talk again.
0: With everything. That yeah, you to everything.
1: To play guitar again, to sing again. And uh, I'm gigging again, starting to play gigs again in pubs and clubs around London. So it's great to have that back. Mm-hmm. But they gave me some exercise to do. And every day I used to get up get into my wheelchair and I'd take my mm. wheelchair out into the grounds and when I got in the grounds I'd, you know, lift myself out of the wheelchair and I started teaching myself to walk again. Mm. And was that the
0: hardest part? Because Yeah. Was do you think the walking was the hardest part? Or yeah, at or? first
1: my balance was completely off. I found it very difficult to mm. keep my balance. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But
1: eventually I started running around the hospital for about half an hour every day. Yeah. And I started exercising again.
0: Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Amazing what the body can uh, do. Yeah. And, and it's it incredible because,
1: you know, the best thing I used to, I mentioned before, I dabbled in drugs when I was younger. But there's nothing like the high you get after exercising when you come out of the gym. Yeah. You know, you feel really good.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you do a lot of gym
1: now. I do lots of gym now. I used to do it before my accent as well.
0: Yeah.
1: In fact, that's what happened when I was coming home from the gym. When the car knocked
0: me down. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, so, your... So, rehab was... So, you were at Homerton, and then did you do that... At, were you then at home doing rehabilitation? Is that what... Well, you're The next stage for you? Because I did it back at home at my house for right. a lot of the time and redoing it myself. But my, my issues were... My, I had to learn how to make a cup of tea. Oh, like, same. Uh, did you have to do yeah, that? Yeah. That was the bit where I realised... I can't do any of these processes, the whole thing isn't right. working, yeah. and it scared me.
1: Yeah.
0: That was the point where I, the realisation yeah. had actually happened.
1: Well, it never scared me. I just kept on... I got into meditation.
0: Okay, where, yeah, me too. That's yeah, what I'm doing now, yeah. And
1: where I started saying to myself, Paul, you can do anything. Yeah. Just go for it. Just be calm, learn, yeah. and you'll get over it. Everything, all things must pass.
0: Yeah, it's easy to say, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> then yeah. you're kind of like. Easy to
1: say, but. <laughs> but yeah, you have things, to really believe yeah, it. Yeah. Things do, and meditation helps so yeah. much. Yeah,
0: that's one and thing I, that I've. I'm doing mindfulness and yeah. things like that, that I've had to. That keeps me more strong and yeah. my, my brain centered rather also, than. I lose that.
1: Visualizing what you're, you know, want to do mm. and visualizing yourself doing it, I think helps a lot as well. So, okay. visualization, try a bit of that.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I haven't
1: tried that,
0: so maybe I will next.
1: (laughs) I'd just like to thank all the people in the Homerton and everybody uh, in the Homerton Hospital, in the rehab unit. They helped me be in my recovery so much. Yeah. And also all the people at Silver Lining.
0: I love Silver Lining. Well, I
1: haven't been for a while, but I used to go when I got out and I I learned a lot in Silver Lining. It was nice to meet other people who had brain injuries and you know uh,
0: yeah and I quite liked the people at Silver Lining yeah. I managed to I bonded with them I found the that way. was a a and good also, thing to do
1: I went on a camping trip with them
0: oh did you um,
1: about a year ago yes and I uh, went with my girlfriend uh-huh. because this is the best thing that's happened to me yeah well since I had the injury I came out of hospital and you know I used to have uh, lots of dreams and I used to think after meditating what what my ambitions are and one was obviously to get back playing but the other one was I wasn't in a relationship at the time Mm -hmm. so I started thinking I'd love to be in a relationship again Mm
2: -hmm. and then I
1: met this fantastic young woman called Dawn who lived over in Hampstead so I asked her out and we started going out together That's amazing it's great to see her yeah yeah and it makes really you know lift me up
0: so how how did the brain injury actually affect you? Because obviously mine was the cups of tea and things like that. How, how has it affected you long term? Um,
1: well, you know, my life has changed completely from the way it was. And sometimes I think it's never ending. It just seems to go on and on and mm. on. But then I meditate and let it go in one ear and out the other. And uh, I always see things flowing away. And I started visualizing me, you know, my daughter, all the good things that I have to be very um, pleased about. Mm-hmm. You know, the birth of my daughter, playing yeah. music again, the musicians I played with, you know, doing this podcast, things like that.
0: Oh, thanks. Yeah. I'm glad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so let me just read what it says. Hang on. Can you read? Okay. Yeah. Can you? I can't. This yeah, is no. one thing I really That's, struggle it took me with. it a
1: while, that. but. You know, reading
0: I really str- I've still really struggled well, with it
1: no I don't I started reading even in hospital I used to read a book and stuff like that yeah that's yeah. great yeah. yeah
0: whereas my brain was kind of like flying all over the place and it didn't really well, want so to so was one
1: but I could read and see see that's my great my difficulty in the beginning was walking and uh my left hand side it was very difficult to use my arm. And was it like a stroke
0: leg. after you've had an accident like that? Yeah, it was Is a it bit similar? Like that. Yeah. Because when I was in hospital, I was with lots of people who had strokes. And yeah, I saying, remember saying to my mum, Did I have a stroke? Yeah. You know, like what actually yeah. happened? And Well, that's what
1: people often say to me because I had a severe limp when I got out of the hospital on my left leg. And people used to say to me when they'd see you walk along, Hey, have you had a stroke?
2: Mm-hmm. You know?
1: I don't know yeah. why they asked me that but it must be because some rel- relative of theirs had a limp similar yeah. to mine. Yeah. No.
0: So, so tell me, do you have any issues with new lyrics and no, songs I've now? No, I've just
1: written some new songs. Uh-huh. Um, in fact, I'm going to release an EP at the end of the month.
0: Amazing. On my own
1: label. It's called Winter in London and the title track I wrote when I got out of hospital and uh, I wrote all these lyrics called winter in london and uh, it starts with the lyrics and uh excuse me if i curse but it says the rain was coming down like a cow pissing on a flat stone (laughs) (laughs) all over london restless heads that's london gazed down the windows of the one night cheap hotels oh wow that
0: sounds very exciting so when's it being released
1: um the end of october i think maybe the beginning of november
0: very good um so do you suffer with fatigue? No. So you don't have fatigue? No, I don't That's
1: have good. fatigue at all. Um, in fact, I have lots of energy mm-hmm. and uh, I don't sleep at night till about maybe one, half one at night. And, but I, you know, if I've been to the gym and the funny thing was after having a brain injury, being in a wheelchair, I'm so aware, you know, of my recovery and how all the people have got to thank for it because I've started running on a treadmill and I've started getting up after being in a wheelchair to get up to the speed of to be able to run a kilometre in uh, under five minutes is, you know. Amazing. I'm amazed, yeah. Yeah. And I owe that to my sister Mary, my sister Debbie, my mum, my dad, Mm. my daughter Ashley.
0: You're much, you're much healthier now compared to before. The the old rock and roller is is not no more.
1: That's the funny thing, because when I was on the road playing in America, people would uh, in the audience would throw these little bags at you, and I'd get back into the dressing room, and this is a true story. Yeah, and I'd open the bags, and they were, you know, had drugs. I won't tell you what drugs, but there was drugs in them. So inevitably, I used to indulge in that. But um, I had stopped taking drugs before the accident. Yeah. But now I think that the accident, although I'm almost died, I think, you know, all the realisations I've had since I had the accident mm. is probably going to, I'm going to probably live longer. It's the I best thing yeah. for you, absolutely. So that's the advantage of having the accident. There's not many advantages, but that's one of them.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, um, so you volunteer, yeah. tell me about your volunteering. Well,
1: the volunteering is great. I used to do lots of gardening before I had the accident, and uh, now I've started volunteering in uh, Hackney City Farm, uh huh. It's a great it's place. A really great place, yeah. Mm. And I'd recommend anybody to go and have a look.
0: I think, and, yeah. Uh, I think when people have come through something like like you and like I have, I think the best thing for volunteering has been the best thing to get me back to reality. This is the hardest yeah. thing but it's the good thing to do. That's
1: just so good. Right.
0: Yeah. I've um yeah, I won an award for my okay. volunteering. <laughs> it's quite Where's random. Vol- volunteer Pardon? Where? At the volunteer centre in Hackney. Okay. Yeah, no, I like doing it. Right. I go and spread the word of volunteering and right. try and recruit people to join oh, us basically. Yeah. So I'm doing it tomorrow. So okay. yeah. No, I quite like it. I quite yeah. enjoy it. So I think as as long as you enjoy it, you're happy to do it all the time. And I think it's a a good thing to
1: do. Also, it's helped me um, get back to doing some people's gardens as well. Because once I started working on Hackney City Farm, you know, volunteering, um, I go down there and work every Thursday, that it started me to get back into gardening again so I started ringing up my own clients my old clients oh, cool. and I offered to go down and work to do their garden for free because it was very good therapy for me yeah. so I started doing that and when I went back to world I started doing a little bit of gardening for my daughter's garden and my uh, my uh, mother's garden and stuff like that so it's very good it helps me a lot and uh, good
0: therapy yeah.
1: definitely as well my daughter my, uh, I wrote a song about my daughter it's called new roles um, because when I had Ashling, I was so delighted I had to write a song about it mm-hmm. but she's grown up now and she's 21 last year.
0: Oh wow. So
1: she's a young woman. Mm.
0: Oh, fantastic. So are you back at work now?
1: Well, I'm back playing gigs regularly. I wouldn't say work. I volunteer
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, I still do some therapy once or twice a week. See,
0: you? Yeah. yeah.
1: And uh, also I am back playing with the band again. Okay. And we sometimes rehearse, you know. I basically trying to get a lot of gigs at the moment. I just finished doing some recently and uh I'm trying to get a whole put a little tour together so I can uh launch my new EP and uh start playing again before Christmas.
0: Fantastic. That sounds good. So it's a new new album that's coming out. It's an
1: EP. I'm gonna have EP? About five or six songs in it, yeah.
0: Fantastic. Is there um, Are there any songs that kind of reflect what you've been through or your your brain injury at
1: all? No, not, not at no. the moment.
0: It's nothing it, that is really... Not.
1: I was just writing about the experiences that happened to me just before I went to the hospital, but I'm starting to write songs about my brain injury and stuff now.
0: Mm-hmm. okay so do you think that having do you think it's been something that has changed your um, perspective on life
1: totally and completely
0: that's it the it could have
1: changed it more as we said it's like being reborn like the one thing I realise is how important your family are to you and you know you know it's like the Beatles say all you need is love and to be have the love of your friends and your family and the love of your girlfriend and just, you know, the love of everybody, I find people are very helpful in London. If they see me getting into trouble or, you know, if I'm traveling somewhere and they see me limping, they, mm-hmm. they when I first got out of hospital, they used to see me limping. My limping, limp was quite bad mm-hmm. and people used to offer me seat on the bus and stuff like that. So, you know, uh, yeah, people are very good in London
0: people tend to be really nice they actually nice, yeah. they tend to be nice I've only had one person who've sent me the wrong direction okay. I was like all right that's not very nice is it yeah, <laughs> but right. apart from that and I'm always yeah. having to ask people right. all the time yeah. about stuff but I think yeah. that people are just generally quite nice in the end so you were in the Pogues. so tell me about what it was like working with Shane
1: McGowan
0: oh, well, <laughs> and well, go on
1: you too many stories <laughs> but um, no it was great Shane's a beautiful person and a very talented, great Mm -hmm. songwriter, great lyricist Mm -hmm. and uh, you know another highlight of my life was returning and playing in his hometown in Shinron in Tipperary.
0: Oh wow. Yeah
1: that was nice. We played a festival there.
0: And did you ever work with Kirsty McCall or?
1: Yeah Kirsty got up on stage, um, once I appeared on TV, I think it was later with Jules Holland
0: Mm -hmm, and uh,
1: it was around Christmas time and Kirsty got up on stage and done Fairy Tale of New oh, Yorkers. Wow,
0: that would have been absolutely amazing. But another amazing.
1: highlight was when I was in America. I played on the Conan O'Brien show and uh, David Letterman show. That was mm. fantastic. In fact, um, we appeared. We released a single when I was with Shane called "That Woman's Got Me Drinking," and uh, this is another highlight. <laughs> Johnny Depp got up and played guitar with us. Oh, amazing. So there's a video of people want to look on YouTube. They can see a video of that woman's got me drinking by Shane McGann and the Popes. And you'll see it's on top of the Pops. Johnny Depp makes an appearance. I'll
0: be looking that up okay. when <laughs> after this is finished.
1: <laughs> the strangest thing, the most surreal experience was because when I woke up after my brain injury,
0: mm-hmm. one of the
1: things I was was incontinent. I believe it happens to a lot of people with a brain injury because your brain is responsible for, you know, what your liver does. And I woke up and I was wearing a nappy and that was very uh, surreal.
0: Yeah, 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 I think it does happen to a yeah. lot of different people, doesn't and it? And
1: luckily, that's, I've recovered from all that. And
0: recovery, yeah. that's the thing. And yeah. everyone seems to recover through yeah. these things. It's just such a long journey, it isn't is, it? Yeah. It's like, again, like the longest battle. Yeah. It's really, it, it just but takes your... it's not your like
1: breaking your leg. You'll you're break your leg in six months. You'll be up and out the door and walking again. And they'll mm-hmm. take the plaster off with a brain injury. The therapy lasts quite longer than just six months.
0: Yeah, I know. Absolutely, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. You don't. You can't believe. I still can't believe it's coming up to five yeah. years. Similar oh, well. time yeah. stage for you. Yeah. And I still can't get my head around it. <laughs> it's yeah. like time just doesn't reflect. I mean, you do. We do so much to get better yeah. all the time. But you just can't believe it's five years. Yeah, it's similar right. amounts yeah. of time to you, actually. But
1: I'm really, you know, grateful, and especially to all the nurses and my friends and my family and everybody who's helped me mm-hmm. make such a recovery. That's what the doctors, when they come to see me, they say, "Oh, you've made quite a recovery." That's so. I, I think. Yeah, I think we're very like lucky me, yeah. to be
0: alive as we well. We are very
1: lucky, yeah.
0: Very lucky. Um, so accidents haven't really been kind to the pogues and the popes, no. I'd say. D are you superstitious? No, you're not superstitious not at all. No. No, okay. I don't
1: believe in walking on not walking under ladders. Okay, uh,
0: all right. So you're not superstitious. I'm not superstitious. No. <laughs> all right. Um, and what would you say has been your most successful um, record? Today?
1: Okay. Well, um, I think the most successful was that one I spoke about that we done on top of the pops. We uh, we appeared on top of the pops a couple of times.
0: Okay, cool.
1: But that one. That was when Top of the Pops really meant something to people. I
0: know. And yeah.
1: uh, that one, that woman's got me drinking. That was uh,
0: okay. Playing on Top yeah. of the Pops. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. And
1: also the David Letterman show in America, because that was watched. That was, you know, shown on Halloween night, and I don't know how many millions of people watched that. Mhm. Uh-huh. So you can still catch it on YouTube.
0: That's amazing. Okay. How are you feeling now? How yeah, How are you getting on?
1: Well, very well. And, uh, you know, I'm also, you know, physically, I might not be as well as I was before I had the accident, but I'm getting there. But mentally, I think I'm in a better place because I've had so many realisations. Mm. And as we talked about, I had got that feeling of being reborn again. Mm. So, you know, I can put all the mistakes I made before the accident, I can put them all behind me and I can start trying to live a better life, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. yeah.
0: Excellent, and how does the future look for you,
1: Mad Dog? Oh, the future looks good. <laughs>
0: it's so good, isn't it?
1: The future's so bright, i got to wear shades.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Thank you, thanks so yeah, much thank for coming you. in. So every week I do something that is called a weekly gripe, something that is still really, really annoying me. Um, so this week I'm gonna be talking about memory my memory from being <laughs> having a brain injury yeah. and being in the royal london hospital um it my memory is still pretty rubbish literally mm. if i try to <clears throat> remember where where something's going on what the next thing is i literally forgotten within seconds i mean that's not all the time but literally i have this instantaneous memory loss that something that i'm thinking about and then it's gone and then i'm like oh but then it comes back it's like i it's something memory is something that is very frustrating i feel like i feel like i've smoked loads of weed or something you know the whole thing it's not it feels a little bit strange yeah. and a bit um. Thing. Do do you have any memory issues now?
1: Well, I did it first, but then I started doing exercises to increase my memory. Yeah, like what did I you use? To, well, one of the things is I try and if I want to remember someone's name, I'd start thinking of a picture of their names. You know, if um say you take Will Will I Am. Yeah. I'd start if I want to remember. I'd have I start a picture in my mind of a guy standing up, shouting out to an audience saying, "I'm will." So,
0: okay. Then
1: th- I that the, the more ridiculous the memory, the picture is.
0: Okay. That helps you
1: remember. So if I started practicing like that, and I think that helped me.
0: Visualization. Visualization that's right. amazing. Yeah. I don't do that at all. Yeah. I literally, I just went that my. My memory is just, it's that, one, that second where I've forgotten it. And I'm like, ah, and then, I, and then yeah. it's, it does come back. But yeah. it's, and it is getting better, I am yeah. saying. And they do okay. say it, your memories do get, yeah. it gets a bit better. So I just kind of feel that that will work. But it is quite frustrating. Yeah, it's time. like.
1: I did find it frustrating at time until I started doing those exercises.
0: Yeah. And
1: uh, I'd just like to say that anybody who suffered from a, a, a brain injury, Mm. I know it's very frustrating and sometimes it feels like it's never going to end but there is you know there is a recovery and it's if you just concentrate and listen to the professionals and all the people the therapists who tell you what to do do the exercises and uh, your recovery will come
0: you will get there in the end yeah you will get
1: there in the end and it's it feels so good to be much better
0: yeah, it is. But it does, take a, long it does time. take a long time. It's
1: a never-ending journey. Mm. Long
0: time. Okay. So to finish my podcast, I usually do a quote, um, something which um, has um, actually you can have a re- have a read what okay. that actually says for the for the oh, end okay. of my podcast. So we we do it says,
1: this week. I'm finished with the podcast <laughs> with an intern- an inspirational quote from the one and only. Bob Marley.
0: Amazing. I Bob did Marley. I love a
1: bit of Bob Marley back in the day.
0: Yeah, Later. no, definitely yes. loved a bit of Bob Marley. So basically, his quote is...
1: Emma has said...
0: <laughs> well,
1: Bob Marley has said, but Emma's repeating it. <laughs> and the quote is, One good thing about music, when you hit, you feel no pain.
0: That sound... So yeah, he's, yeah. yeah, amazing. I like it's... um. It's an inspirational quote, I'd say, yeah. Yeah. from Bob, the one and only. Yeah. Bless him. Um, so thank you so much for coming along to thank the podcast. You. Hopefully you've, we've inspired some people who are going through their so. own life-changing situations. I was
1: very lucky when I was younger to go to a festival in Daily Park in Dublin and they actually saw Bob Marley play with the Whalers. So oh,
0: my goodness. Go. Wow, I never did that. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, Emma, you're quite right. Hopefully we can inspire anybody um, because it feels very frustrating and difficult. You know, an in- a brain injury is not like any other, a broken bone or something no. like that. It requires an awful lot of, uh, you know, getting back in your, a lot of work to get back on your feet. It's hard and work, it's isn't hard it? It's hard work and it requires, well, really what it requires is not just doctors, mm. but the love of your friends and family yeah. Helps you get there in the end
0: yeah that's yeah. the thing isn't it you need yeah. all those people all to come that's together fun. to make it all get better yeah. so thank you so much it's been thank so you. lovely to meet you thanks Be so much again, mad man. dog you okay. definitely haven't been mad well
1: hopefully I'll see you all one day in outlaw heaven and we can <laughs> okay. buy you a drink at the bar
0: <laughs> definitely We're up yeah. for a drink then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you thanks for coming
1: no, thank along. thank you
2: Thanks so much for listening to Emma's podcast. She's been through a hell of a lot over the past few years and listening to this makes all of her friends realise just what an inspiration she is. The Silver Lining charity has helped Emma immeasurably, enabling her to meet lots of other people with brain injuries. The charity is currently raising money for a goodwill silver lining mission to India just one project that will help those affected by brain injury to get involved in exciting and purposeful activities in the community activities that go a long way to invigorate motivate and rehabilitate the charity also helps family members and friends who are often overlooked if you've enjoyed listening and would like to donate to the silver lining brain injury now's your chance visit www.thesilverlining.org.uk thank you